welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. So glad to be with you today. Today, we are broadcasting from my warrior suite and uh, not on the stage today, but just wanted to do something a little bit different and bring you right into my room, my zone, where a lot of the spiritual magic happens. That, that sounds almost paradoxical, doesn't it, spiritual magic? But the truth is we all understand that, that this is a place where we convene, where God meets, meets us here, and God is going to speak to you from this place today. So I'm going to invite you to put your hand over your heart. I want us to make our declarations together, so if you're watching at a watch party, and I hope you are. Uh, I hope you'll share this right now and invite people to join you right now. And this is July 4th weekend. This is Freedom Weekend, and I'm going to be talking about unshakable freedom. But right now, stand with me and let's make our declarations together. Say this with me. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and take dominion. I declare that 2020 is my year of transformation. Things are not just going to change for the better, but 2020 will be my best year ever. I declare that 2020 is double, double for me, double blessing, double anointing, a double portion of good things in every area of my life. I declare that according to Psalm 6511, that God is crowning my year with goodness and my paths will drip with abundance. I declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Come on, put a hand clap on that. Put an amen on that. Again, such an honor to be with you. We love you so much. Thank you for being a part of our family and a part of our tribe. And why don't you just start this whole time by just clicking on some likes, some love, some hand claps, some prayers, whatever those emojis are. Use every good emoji, butterfly, blah, 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 whatever it is, because that's what transformation stands for. And again, please share this. Please invite somebody to your watch party right this second. It's so easy to do. And let's jump right into the word of the Lord today. We're in our unshakable series, and I want to talk to you about, as I said, unshakable freedom, unshakable freedom. The year was 1997, and one of the greatest orators and spiritual leaders at that time shared some very special words about July 4th and the real reason we celebrate Independence Day. His words have stood the test of time across spiritual ethnic backgrounds and touched the hearts of many, many Americans. I want to encourage you to share this with young Americans and your family this week. And here are his words, showing America is truly the home of the free because of the brave. And now, Paul Harvey. I, Paul Harvey, do herewith bequeath unto you something to remember. You may not be able to quote one line from the Declaration of Independence at this moment. Henceforth, you'll always be able to quote at least one line. It's in the last paragraph where you will recall when I remind you, it says, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, 
and our sacred honor. In the Pennsylvania State House that's now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the best men from each of the colonies sat down together. This was a very fortunate hour in our nation's history, one of those rare occasions in the lives of men when we had greatness to spare. These were men of means, well-educated, 24 were lawyers and jurists, nine were farmers, owners of large plantations. On June 11, a committee sat down to draw up a declaration of independence. We were gonna tell the British fatherland, no more rule by redcoats. Below the dam of ruthless foreign rule, the stream of freedom was running shallow and muddy, and we were gonna light a fuse to dynamite that dam. This pact, as Burke later put it, was a partnership between the living and the dead and the yet unborn. There was no bigotry, there was no demagoguery in this group. All had shared hardships. Jefferson finished a draft of the document in 17 days. Congress adopted it in July and so much is familiar history. But now, King George III had denounced all rebels in America as traitors, punishment, for treason was hanging. The names now so familiar to you from the several signatures on that Declaration of Independence, the names were kept secret for six months for each knew the full meaning of that magnificent last paragraph in which his signature pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. Fifty-six men placed their names beneath that pledge. Fifty-six men knew when they signed that they were risking everything. They knew if they won this fight, the best they could expect would be years of hardship in a struggling nation. And if they lost, they'd face a hangman's rope. But they signed the pledge. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas. To pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch, Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third-generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed. His wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised $2 million on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured, mistreated, his health broken to the extent that he died at 51. His estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward, Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. 
John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered. Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity towers over the others, one of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war, and he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar, if the public good requires it. So he too lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy or burned. Two lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men, wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price. And freedom was born. What an incredible video, and I hope that was as moving for you as it was for me. Um, there's almost been a spirit in our country, and it's a spirit, and I'm going to address it today, but a spirit in our country that wants to extinguish July 4th, 1776 is our day of independence, and uh, there's just all kinds of just stuff that have been unleashed into the world, and I just want you to know, happy July 4th, I'm grateful for the freedom that rings and still rings in America. I'm grateful that we live in a country that is still because of God's hand and even on our money, in God we trust, still a place that brings hope to parts of the world that are ravaged by, by evil. And for a long time, America has been um, 
just a beacon of light for the entire world, and we will continue to be. And I think that's one of the reasons the devil is so upset, and he continues to be so upset and continues to try to divide us. But I thank God for America. If you thank God for America, put some hand claps. Come on. If you thank God for the history of America, put some hand claps on there. Anyway, I love you. I appreciate you being a part of us. Last week, my son, Pastor Josh, asked a very provocative question that is just theoretical until we choose to answer the question as individuals. Here was his question. What does love require of me? And as I sit there and I watch my son preach, I want you to know something. I don't know about you, but I don't just listen to messages. I don't just listen to the Word of God. I'm not just a hearer of the Word. Jesus' own brother James, who wrote the epistle of James, said, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. He went on to say, faith without works is dead. Never just hear the word. Don't just hear a word and say, man, that was a good word that Pastor Josh preached last week. What does love require of me? I did some soul searching. What does love require of me in my marriage? What does love require of me in my family? What does love require of me of my friends? What does love require of me of my enemies? What does love require of me as an American? What does love require of me as a believer? A great question, but a theoretical question until you decide, until I decide to answer the question. So next week, as a part of this message, un un Unshakable Freedom, I'm going to answer that question because I'm going to... I'm going, to, I'm going to get to the foundation of that question this week because I don't just listen to a message. When I hear a message, I go, God, let this word go deep within me. What does love require of me? Not like, what does love require of me? Yeah, yeah, what does love require of me? Let's be about racial justice. What does love require of me? Let's, no, no. What does love require of you? First and foremost, I love what my friend Dr. Tony Evans said recently. He said, don't think you can change the world without God changing your heart. Because you can't and we can't. I've been doing some major soul searching. I allowed that question to go deep. And again, we're going to talk more about it. But I'm going to, next week, next week, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you the foundation of really the TBQ, the thought behind the question, where his question last week took me. Again, it's a great question, but it does not lead to a great outcome unless we answer the question from a biblical point of view. Again, what was the question? What does love require of me? I want to not only seek to answer this question biblically over the next few weeks, but I want to ask you an additional question, and this is what we're going to focus on today. Are you free to love? Unshakable freedom. Are you free to love? Are you free enough to love? What does love require of me? Are you free to love? Are you free enough to love? There has been and is and always will be a demonic assault against your freedom. I want you to really hear me. The devil does not want you to be free. 
He doesn't want you to be free enough to love people into lifelong transformation like is the, 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 the vision statement, the mission statement, the purpose statement, all rolled into one of Elevate Life Church. To love people into lifelong transformation. We talk a lot about love, but we're going to go deep in not just love, but are you free enough to love? I want you to let that question go deep in you. On this weekend, I particularly wanted to show the Statue of Liberty, the Statue of Freedom. On the Statue of Liberty are written the words, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuge of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. The Statue of Liberty, if you've never been there, it's quite a sight, 151 feet high, 305 feet high if you count the base of the Statue of Liberty, given to us by the nation of France because of our participation in the French Revolution. Freedom, that's what America is about. Freedom, that's what the Word of God is about. Freedom, that's what the kingdom of God is about. You know, in the left hand of the Statue of Liberty, which again I find interesting as a woman, is July 4, 1776. And that is a dear date to those of us who are part of the freedoms that we enjoy here in America. If there was no July 4, 1776, there would be no America. There would be no America. The devil doesn't want you to be free. Listen to me. We, we, we can't even talk about love yet. What does love require of me? We got to answer the question, are you free to love? Are you free enough to love? The devil has done everything he can in your past and in your present and your future to take your freedom away so that you can love your neighbor as yourself. So you can love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. So you can love your enemies. You see, it's less about love and more about freedom. And that's why until you really let this go deep in you, you're just going to love the way you love. Galatians 5 verse 1 in the Amplified Bible says, It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery which you once removed. Think about that scripture just a minute. Slavery is slavery. Bondage is bondage. And in the kingdom, it is for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery which you once removed. 
If you're going to have an unshakable freedom in every area of your life, you got to do a couple of things. That's what I want to focus on with the few minutes that we have left. Number one, you have to stand firm in your supernatural heritage. Wow. If you're gonna if you're gonna be free, you have to you have to understand you have a supernatural heritage. Do you know that bef before my father, I met my grandfather one time. I, I don't know anything about my upline. I, I don't know where I came from. I, I don't know. You know, some of y'all know that. I, I don't know that. So you know what my greatest heritage is? It's not my last name. It's not that I'm American. It's not that I'm Caucasian. It's not all the things that I could list to you about who I am. You've got to stand firm in your spiritual heritage. This is the freedom that Christ gave you. So the Bible says, again, I want to read it in two different translations. First of all, the New Living Translation. So Christ has set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Look at somebody say, stay free. Because why do you need to stay free? So you can just be free? No, so you can be free to love. Why isn't there more love in the world? Because people aren't free. They're in bondage. Make sure that you stay free. Watch this now. And don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Wow. All different kinds of slavery. There's people that are slaves to their debt. There's people that are slaves in their own mind to the system. People talking about slavery more than ever before. And yet Jesus comes and he says, listen, you know what the worst part of slavery is? The worst part of the slavery is the slavery that you're tied to based on rules that have been established. It was called the law in the Old Testament. Galatians 5 Verse 1, the Message Bible, Christ has set us free to live a free life. Come on, how many of you want a free life? So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Look at your neck. Do you have a harness on you today? Some people have a harness on their heart. Some people have a harness on their mind. You know why? Because they're still slaves to the past. They're not free from the past. They're not free from what they did. They're not free from what they said. The devil is doing everything he can, not just to divide America, but to divide your heart and to divide your mind and to keep you from being free. How do you have unshakable freedom? You let everything shake off of you that's keeping you in bondage. you got to stand firm in your spiritual heritage. Look at what Galatians 4.31 says. So then, believers, if you're a believer, say, I'm a believer. Old friend Dallas Holm used to sing a song like this. He said, hey, I'm a believer now since Jesus changed my life. Hey, I'm a believer now. Are you a believer? What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus came to set you free from everything? then let's live by it. Let's don't be tied to the past. Let's don't be harnessed by the past. Let's don't be harnessed by what somebody else did, what somebody else said to us. So then, believers, we who are born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, somebody say, that's me, renewed, set apart for his purpose. Here, here's, what, here's what the scripture says. So then, believers, we are not children of a slave woman, the natural but of a free woman 
the supernatural. So, so again, let me put it in context for you. Galatians, the fifth chapter, starts with, so then Christ has set us truly free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again into the slavery or wear the harness of slavery that was on you. Listen now, what was he talking about? Well, you go to the last chapter. What's the last verse? Verse 31 in chapter 4. So then believers who've been reborn from above, spiritual heritage, who've been spiritually transformed, spiritual heritage, who've been renewed, spiritual heritage, who've been set apart from God for his purpose. We're not children of the slave woman, the natural, but of the free woman, the supernatural. Now, you can read all about this. I'm not going to just dive into this whole chat. Go read chapter 4 of Galatians 4. And find out, yes, they're, they're, they're talking about Sarah and Hagar and, and being born of Hagar and being born of Sarah. But in the natural and the supernatural, Sarah or Hagar represents the natural. Sarah represents the supernatural. Those of us who are in Christ, we, we are believers. We've accepted Jesus Christ. The Bible says we become a part of Abraham's seed. We become a part of a supernatural heritage. That's what you've got to stand firm in. Stand firm in your supernatural heritage. The enemy wants to blind you and get you focused on the wrong things. I, I want to say something. I want to say this personally. I do not care about being a white man. I do not care about my last name being a craft. I do not care about my last name, me, me being called an American. You know what I care about? That I am counted as a son of the living God. You see, if I'm going to have unshakable freedom in my life, it's not attached to my ethnicity. It's not attached to my name. It's not attached to who came before me. It's not attached to the poverty that I came out of. It's not attached to the abuse that I came out of, both verbal and emotional and physical abuse, guess what? I have a supernatural heritage that's not connected to any of what they were, what they did, what they said, because I've been bought with a price. Come on, put your hands together. Jesus, help us to get this and to be people of the kingdom, not focused on man getting it right. Man's not going to get it right. You're going to be judged for the rest of your life. You might as well settle it. Do you know what the problem is with judging people? You can't judge somebody and love them. That's why Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. For by the same measure that you judge, you'll also be judged. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's why the writer of Romans said in Romans 2, thou art inexcusable, O man, when you judge somebody and you do the same things. Wow. Don't be entangled again in the yokes of bondage. Don't be harnessed by the slavery of the past. Don't, remember, you're, stand firm. Stand firm in this what? For this freedom, Jesus made us free. Free to have a spiritual heritage. My spiritual heritage transcends my ethnicity. My spiritual heritage transcends my last name. I promise you, I don't care about that. I do not care about that. My spiritual heritage transcends the abuse I have received. Man, I could go on and on. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help us. 
to have unshakable freedom. Jesus came to make us free. Don't let somebody's mentality harness you because they're still thinking like a slave. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Here's the second thing. If you're going to be free enough to love, do not be deceived by the God of this age. You mean there's a God of this age? Well, that's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, the good news is veiled, it's veiled to those that are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Wow. The God of this age... The Bible says in the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. I'm going to read some scriptures so you all stay with me. It's on the screen now. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Somebody put an amen on that. For God who said, let there be light in darkness has made light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. May the face of Jesus be seen in the world today. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God. Put, a, put an amen on that. You have power and it's from God, not from ourselves. And then, and then he goes on, Paul goes on to talk about the church, to the church of Corinth. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Wow. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven by our despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Now listen to this. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God. Come on, somebody say it. Say, I believe in God. No matter what I see in the earth today, I believe in God. No matter what people's issues are, I believe in God. I believe in God, so I spoke. That's what he said. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Somebody put an amen on that. For our present troubles are small and won't last long. Somebody put an amen on that. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things which we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Wow. How are you going to get free enough to love? 
You got to stand firm in your spiritual heritage and in the spiritual heritage of other people. You've got to see people the way Jesus sees people. But then the second thing, you got to understand this. And again, you got to, you got to, you got to realize that the devil wants to steal and kill and destroy. You cannot be deceived by the God of this age. Pretty much about every time you turn on the news, guess what? You're going to be being influenced by the God of this age. It's just the truth. You're going to be. <sighs> wow. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but here's what I can tell you. On this, on this weekend, we are going to be unshakable in our freedom. Why don't you thank God right now for your freedom? And you know what? If you're not free, can I tell you that you can get free on the inside? You can get free on the inside right now. You can, you can decide right now that, hey, you know what? I want to be free. Listen, be free from your past. Be free from what you hear in the world. Be, be free from whatever everybody's reporting, what everybody is saying. Be free in Christ for, the, for it was this freedom that he came to free us. He came to free us. I want to share one last story with you. It's really a personal story. And um, I debated about whether or not to share it or not, but I, I just kind of want to tell you that, um, you know, there was a time, and I'm not saying this to expose my mom, love my mom. Um, she's probably watching. But there was a time in my mom's life where she's going through a very difficult time. And, um, and a lot of that time was when I was growing up. And my mom, my dad, when my dad had a heart attack, my mom came to me and she said, I want to apologize to you because not your older brother, not your younger sister, but I was very hard on you. I abused you. And, and I, I remember we were at the hospital. My dad was dying. And she was literally in my in my lap, just weeping. I said, Mom, thank, thank you for sharing that, but, and, and maybe that's for you that you feel like you need to apologize. But I, I forgave you a long time ago. Mom, I'm free. I'm free, you know? E even today in her 80s, my mom still struggles with how she perceives that she was, that watch this now. I was free from a long time ago. But what if I hadn't been free? What if I had allowed abuse to get into my heart? What if I had an issue with my family because of the way my family was? I would have messed up Sheila and I. I would have messed up my kids. You know, because abusers abuse. Hurt people hurt people. And that's why we need to be free in Christ. And I can tell you when I look back on my childhood, if I decide to go there and think this was wrong and that was wrong. I mean, I've lived 60 years now, so I've got a lot to look back on, right? But if I look back and that shouldn't have happened. I'd be carrying stuff that should be under the blood of Jesus rather than being free to be all that God's created me to be.
And if you're looking for man to change, man isn't going to change. If you're looking for somebody to apologize, they might apologize and they might not. But whether somebody ever does, whether, whether the stuff in our country ever gets fixed or not, God is looking for a family that understands their spiritual heritage in him. And that whatever happened in your family that wasn't right, whatever's happened in our history that wasn't right, that somehow we've got to be free on the inside and we cannot be focused on what they did or what they didn't do or what was right or what was wrong. And yes, that, yes we need some things to happen that, that, that the world is a different place. But listen, I don't care who's in the White House. They're not going to fix it. Obama had eight years to fix it. He didn't fix it. Trump said four years. He's trying to fix it, but he can't fix it. Whoever the next president is, they can't fix it. You know why? Because you can't fix the heart of man. People got to get fixed on the inside, and Jesus is the only one that can bring freedom. Mom, if you're watching, I love you, and you know my heart. I'm sharing this to help people because I hold nothing in my heart. And we got to get to the point where we don't hold anything in our heart based on what happened in the past. Yesterday, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, 400 years ago, we have got to get free, ladies and gentlemen, family of God. We've got to be spiritually transformed. I don't know about you, but I've had some very unfair things that have happened in my life. I'll share one other thing with you. I, was, I wasn't a great athlete, but I was a pretty good athlete. Had a lot of offers from schools to go play basketball and football. And I chose a Christian school. You know, I wanted to go play basketball at a Christian school. I was offered a four-year scholarship, the first one they'd ever given. For whatever reason, this is really the truth, what I'm telling you. The coach did not like me. I don't know if he didn't like me because I was the only four-year scholarship athlete. I don't know what it was. But from the day I got there, he made it as hard on me as he could and benched me for four years. I look at that four-year block of my life, and when I look back on it, I think, man, that was my athletic career. How, why, why was he like that? Why did he do that? It was crazy. I had other coaches that we would play against that kind of knew who I was as a player. Say, so, hey, if you'll come play at our school, man, we'll start you immediately. And yet I had to reconcile in my heart, was this about like my career as an athlete or was this about, or did God bring me here? And I believe God brought me there. So I stayed for four years. One time, the coach accidentally let me in the game, and I set a school record for block shots that still is in the school record books today. He left me in a little too long, to set, long enough to set a record. Well, why, why am I telling you that? Because it was unfair, y'all. It was unfair. Four years of my life was unfair. There's been other stuff that I could mention to you, but I'm just telling you, you know, like, let's just add up the bad stuff, okay? Physically, emotionally abused. Uh, unfair, you know, college, uh, you know, four years of my life where I was benched for what? I don't know. 
But let me just be really clear, it had nothing to do with my athletic ability. And it had nothing to do with the color of my skin. It had nothing to do with whatever, whatever I could find to blame or whatever I could find to... No, here's the, it was just unfair and it was unjust. And you know what? Look into my eyes. It was my test. What's your test? What's unfair that's happened to you that shouldn't have happened? That's your test. Because the enemy of your soul wants to shake your freedom to the core. And if you can have enough unfair, unjust things happen to you, then all of a sudden it can twist your mind. And you don't have the mind of Christ. You've got the mind, i got to defend myself. i gotta, I got to get justice for me. I'm going to tell you something. God is really good at justice. He's really good at it. So those four years, man, I had to humble myself. Growing up and being in church and being in a family that wasn't a perfect family, it was my test. What's your test? Because that's what's going to make you free enough to love. Did you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for your spirit because it's a spirit of freedom. And on this freedom weekend, I pray that we would just for a minute, just for a second, take our focus off of the injustices, take our focus off of the discriminations, take our focus off of what's wrong with our country and just focus on what's right, just for a second. And God, I give you praise. I thank you that, that if you know the Son, if you know Jesus, you know freedom. And we are believers, and therefore we have been spiritually transformed. And I stand firm in the heritage that I have, not as, not as a craft. I stand firm in the heritage that I have, not as an American. I stand firm in the heritage that I have, not as a Caucasian or privileged person. But I stand firm in the freedom, Jesus, that you purchased for me. I thank you that I'm a, a son of God. I thank you that we're children of God. If you're not right with Jesus right now, would you just open up your heart? Would you say, Jesus, I want to be free? In fact, why don't everybody, if you're watching this, you say, Jesus, I want to be free. I want to be free from the harness of slavery. I want to be free from people's opinions and what people have said and how people have held me back and how people have been unfair and how people have abused me. I want to be free. The Bible says that Jesus came to love you, to accept you, to forgive you, and to make you free. So just say this to me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for stuff I've held on to. I give you my life. I give you my future. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, I want to be free. If you made that decision, would you just let us know right now, hey, I made a decision for Jesus, and there'll be people that will be ready and willing to talk with you right now, and um, we just want to help you grow in God. We'd love for you to be a part of our community and of our tribe, and you know what my goal is? is for red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight, for us to come into a tribe where we're a leader, love-based leadership culture where 
We are free to be everything that God's created us to be, and we help everybody do that same thing, get free. We want to love people in a lifelong transformation, and that includes you. So God bless you. Thank you for watching today. I love you with my whole heart. Let's be unshakable in our freedom. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.